Well, welcome along, everyone. This is episode 149. I think it's been episode 149 for a few weeks now, but we've done a recount, and this is actually 149 of the Green and Gold Rugby podcast. I'm Rugby Reg. We're in the last week of Super Rugby uh, in uh, in the Sanzar tournament. Exciting times. We've got an Australian on top of the ladder. We've got a couple of guys here who are still in finals contention. Um, I'm still around just for the hang of it. Uh, with us is our um, is our fearless leader, Gaga. Matt, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Yeah, count back, 149. Yes, exactly. 1.9 and a half. Um, and uh, probably Steve. Steve, how are you, mate, down in Canberra? Very well, thanks. How are you guys? Good. You're well rested up your weekend off? Yep, we needed it. Excellent. Well, that's good, guys. We're going to get into Super Rugby very soon. We do have a very special guest first and foremost, and it is, it is, he's a Waratah. Well, a former Waratah, Greg Cornelson, he played for the Tars in the late 70s, um, New South Wales country. You'll hear all about this in a second, so we're going to go straight to here uh, from Greg Cornelson. All right, now, welcome to Greg Cornelson joining us tonight. Greg, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure to be, uh, be here, Ed. Thank you. Now, Greg, I must admit to you that uh, our audience is a young one and, and they are very au fait with rugby union, but it's a very modern-day rugby union. So uh, without wishing to insult you, um, I should give them a bit of background on you and, and obviously your... Uh, uh, was a Wallaby legend uh, back row from the sort of late 70s, early 80s. You played through, came up through New South Wales country. Uh, I correct you, at Armadale School, is that right, Greg? I went to Armadale School, yeah, and uh, went to the University of New England, and then, uh, yeah, that, that's where I got my start from New England, and then uh, New South Wales country, and very fortunately, we're, New South Wales were very, very uh, strong in those days, and I think we beat Sydney four years in a row, so... Uh, that gave a lot of us a, a great opportunity representing Australia. Yeah. yeah, so that's an interesting uh, development path that, you know, shame probably doesn't exist so naturally these days. Tell us about those days. It was quite a, a famous period for New South Wales country, um, including what was, uh, uh, and I tried to find it on YouTube, I couldn't find it, the famous up the jumper try, and you had a, an innovative coach who led you around those days. Is that correct? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Harbright, um, you know, was sadly passed on and was a very innovative uh, coach and um, he was part of you. I mean, he was there for uh, those, you know, four years. I think he coached for long, longer than that. But, uh, you know, he was one of the reasons that we were so successful. And uh, and the other one was, of course, we had a, uh, a uh, halfback by the name of John Hipple. And um, oh, he was the best player that I played with. And uh, he was just a... Uh, you know, wonderful fellow, and he's, he's sadly left us as well. So, uh, they were the, re- they, yeah, they were the reasons. And you talk about the up the jumper try, and um, I think it was 1975 that Daryl Harbright um, suggested or uh, decided that we would use the uh, the tap move in a uh, in a game if we had the opportunity. And uh, 
I was to stuff the ball up my jumper and all the other boys would have their backs to the uh, the opposition and put their hands up their jumpers and uh, turn and we'd charge at the um, Sydney guys and uh, anyway I was very concerned that I'd get caught with the ball up my jumper and rock to death so I said to John Hipple, our captain, I said mate we won't be using that word you? He said no we won't use that and sure enough with a few minutes to go we got a penalty right uh, about in, on our 10 yard line so we had a long way to go and um, Barrett Harbright said uh, tap one, I think tap one, tap one, and I said no, hippie tap two, which is just tap it through the backs, and he said no, we'll do tap one, I don't know, here we go, anyway, so we'll put the ball up my jumper, and everyone else had their hands up their uh, their jumpers, and and hippie uh, stuffed it up my jersey, and then on the designated um, moment, we all turned to the opposition, and there's absolute confusion, and <laughs> I was, uh, I actually took the ball out way before I should have, I guess, and um I realised eventually where I had the ball and I was headed towards the, tri- the, the touch line and uh, um, um, Jeff Shaw, I, uh, I actually just threw it back inside and Jeff Shaw was there to take it and he then uh, passed it to Brian Mansfield who crashed over and scored in the corner. Oh, Jimmy High and Marsha converted and we won the game by two points. So <laughs> it was one of those un- unbelievable moments. Uh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's great. There's got to be footage of it somewhere. We'd love to see it sometime. Um, the other, the other uh, historical element that you're quite famous for, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, and, and um, it, but it's, it's a fantastic story. It's obviously the famous 1978 uh, Bledisloe Cup series, uh, was, which was played over there. And, and I did some research. We, we hadn't beaten New Zealand since 1964 prior to this series. And this is an interesting series. I think, the, if I remember right, the first test was quite tight. The second one wasn't as tight. But you came into the third one. Um, under a bit of strain. Am I correct in saying, was Daryl the coach of this series as well? Daryl Harbright was the coach. Yeah. And, um, yeah, oh. you're right. I mean, we, we very nearly won the first test and uh, we were absolutely flogged in the second test. It was raining and they they just really beat us 22 to 6 and it might as well have been 100 points. And, uh, yeah, so the Daryl, the, um, the, the, uh, the Monday after that uh, test, uh, he just took it so much to heart. He, he felt so much for his players and uh, I remember him coming in after the test match, he came to me, uh, the second test, and he said, um, Corny, I just don't know what else we could have done. And um, he took it to heart, and the rest of us went out and had a drink, and uh, we were over it. Not over it, I mean, you, you, it takes a while to get over lots of a test match, but uh, uh, Daryl just didn't. And um, massive heart attack on the Monday, and we still had two weeks to go. And um, <clears throat> he was in hospital um, and in a very dangerous condition. And so... Um, Ross Turnbull, our manager, said with Tony Shaw, the captain, that we'll, we won't get another coach in, we'll continue on and, and coach the way Dale would have wanted. And uh, he and Ross and some senior players got together, John Hipple, of course, and Ken Wright and others, and uh, they um, you know, decided you know, how we would uh, train and what we would do. And, and uh, we had four games to go, and we made a pact that we wouldn't lose another game. And the last one was a test against the All Blacks, and we won that 30 points to 16, and... Um, you, you mentioned that I did score four tries, but you don't score four tries unless you're, you know, part of an outstanding team, which I was, and uh, it was just one of those wonderful days. It was a great performance, and I've, I've watched the whole game uh, numerously and replay and the highlights, and they're well worth checking out. And we'll probably put them, up, put them up on our website when we can, because there's some standouts. Nonetheless, your tries, and we'll talk about those for a second. And if you can ever score four more team-oriented tries, your four tries, I mean, I think the joke is for those four tries, you ran a cumulative probably four metres for them. Um, yeah, remarkable. No, if that, if that actually. I didn't take a pass, and uh, 
they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't, any, would never be anyone's favourite tries, but, uh, no, people did some marvellous work in the lead up, obviously, you know, to be, uh, to say that, you know, you get in a position to be able to score them, but, uh, Gary Pierce scored the, uh, yep. the other try, the fifth try, and, uh, that was from a great move from, uh, <coughs> Kenny Wright, and, uh, passed it inside to, uh, to Pierce, who scored, uh, very close to the post, but, uh, you know, the, the, the you know, Ken Wright was outstanding that day. He was remarkable. Scott Hipple and, uh, you know, the forwards, Chris Handy's first test, yep. he had a, a blinder, you know, an absolute blinder. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those um, moments in life where, you know, we were a closely knit team and and we, uh, we we performed well. It was just a pleasure to be part of. Yeah, well, that Kenny Wright you mentioned, he was remarkable, that test in particular. And if, if people haven't seen... Or heard of Kenny? Um, he had one of the most remarkable sidesteps and, and put it on show in that game, which was yeah. a, a pleasure to watch. Um, and I think it yeah. might have even been his last test before he went. I, I think he went to rugby league. Did he not after that? He went to rugby league. Yes, that year at the end yeah. of the last day, the beginning of '79, he went to rugby league. And uh, yeah, it was a great uh, shame for rugby, but uh, and you know, in those days we lost uh, so many of our best players, and uh, that was just part and parcel. And uh, you know, I have to say to people that uh, Ray Price, who was one of the great rugby league and rugby union during uh, the nationals, he left the sport and, uh, you know, broke the hearts of many rugby supporters, but he certainly didn't break the heart of uh, a few of us because it gave a lot of us an opportunity that uh, the position that Price would have, um, you know, would have been his and he would have had the number six or seven for uh, as long as he's playing rugby union. So yeah. it gave a lot of people an opportunity. And, uh, you know, we're always pretty competitive and... Um, you know, around that, that period, as you mentioned, the 78 and 79, well, we won, there was a one-off test in 79 that we beat the All Blacks, so it actually brought the Blue Cup over, so we won the Cup. And then in 1980, we won two of the three tests, so we won four or five tests there, so well, it was a special period for Australian rugby. Yeah, it was really, it really was a turning point. Like I say, it had been a long time between drinks, uh, nigh on 15 years, and, and to win that test... Uh, let alone back up the next year to, to effectively win the Bledisloe in the one-off one and then again the following year in a, in a three-match series was uh, a significant moment in Australian rugby and you look at the teams through those eras and, and see some of the players that, that came through. Um, it was, a, it was a, a bit of a golden age uh, with the likes of, you know, Ellers and Goulds and Moons and all these sorts of guys coming in. Simon Portovan, um, it, was a, it would have been a fantastic time to play. A lot of great players. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, the Ellers were coming through and they were playing when uh, we overlapped, we, uh, which is very fortunate for me. Um, Michael O'Connor, you know, he was just an absolutely outstanding footballer, you know, and there are so many people from that 77 Australian schoolboy side. And uh, if you've got opportunity, people should try and, you know, look at some of the, the, the tries from those, uh, from that UK tour, because they were undefeated. And, uh, you know, Michael Hawker, who's um, now the chairman of, of Australian rugby and, uh, you know, Wally Lewis was part of that, the, the, the great rugby league player and many others. So uh, that was a very, very special period and these guys were coming through and I can remember at the end of uh, 79 thinking that, you know, we, we beat the All Blacks and uh, they're coming back next year and uh, it's going to be an extraordinarily difficult three-test series. And just out of the blue, we heard I heard that Sydney beat the All Blacks, you know, on the start of that tour. And that was the, uh, that was the, uh, the Ellers and the Hawkers and, uh, and others, these young guys that were coming through and, uh, and there you go. And they were very much a part of that, uh, test series and we beat them. So, now, one of them. you obviously played New South Wales country. I'm assuming you played for the Waratahs too at that time? 
I did, yes, yep, yep. I um, I played for country from um, when the first game was first year out of school, but then I uh, missed a couple of years. I think I think I was probably too young, but uh, and then I started in '73 uh, for New South Wales Country Ones, and then that was my first year with New South Wales as well. And then I I, I played till um, end of '76 for Country New South Wales, and I moved to Queensland for three years. Yep, and uh, part of an extraordinarily strong. Yeah, side which is what, what I was going to go into. You have moved in that golden era of Queensland rugby too. Um, and t- tell us first, why was the move? Was I assume back then it was work related or family related? Um, yeah, uh, um, yeah, a bit, a bit of both. I um, my dad had a property east of Armour, I was a personal jockey, and I decided that I'd do something for a, uh, a few years or a couple of years or so. And um, I think what I what I'd uh, gleaned in the past that a lot of New South Wales country boys went to Sydney uh, that had played for Australia and were never heard of again. And, um, um, so I had an opportunity. I was, uh, I was invited by um, a couple of clubs to go to move to Brisbane and I knew that the uh, the selectors and uh, Bob Templeton uh, would select their sides on merit and uh, I remember getting there and uh, being quite nervous actually because there are a number of really good young players coming through from the back row. Uh, but anyway, I um, I, uh, I was selected as part of a uh, you know country was a great side, and so was Queensland in that day. And I think um, in my last year, Queensland '79, the uh, Canterbury uh, side had their um, centenary uh, year, and they could have invited anyone from the world because they were one of the great sides, of course, in uh, world rugby. And they invited Queensland, and uh, what a compliment uh, for Queensland rugby union, and uh, we actually beat them. And uh, wow. a phenomenal game, but you know, one of the highlights. Oh, that's brilliant! All right, well, let's move forward to the, the modern age, then, Greg. It's a, an appropriate time to speak to you. You've got a foot in both uh, both armies here, I guess, and um, we've got Queensland and New South Wales shaping off this weekend. Uh, first of all, are you still involved in rugby? Do you do you watch it? How? What's your modern? I do. I, I yeah. I. Um... I'm still involved. I'm still involved with the Australian Barbarians. We have an AGM today, and, um, and I'm back on the committee. Um, I'm chairman of the Australian Schools Rugby Foundation, oh, and uh, we're the fundraising arms for the Australian uh, schoolboys, which is very, very important. Uh, so, yeah, I'm still in. I'm, I'm still involved. I have a son playing in uh, rugby in the uh, the Brisbane competition, yep. so I still follow very, very closely. And of course. Yeah, you watch the Super 15 and Test, of course, and um, and I enjoy watching um, you know Brisbane rugby uh, as well. That's great. All right, so what's your interpretation? Let's look at this year's season. We've always got the New South Wales taking on Queensland. It's been a, a wonderful season so far with the Waratahs and and quite the opposite for the for the Reds. What's your you know little snapshot interpretation of both those teams and their what what right? What, 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 yeah, Queensland, they, they oh well, they they, they they the boys would be very very disappointed, and um, you know there's some I think Stan Pilecki was uh, mm. in the newspapers today. I understand. I mean, I didn't see it, but uh, was was you know sent a letter to the editor saying how disappointed he is that uh, you know Queensland just haven't measured up this year, and they're not wearing the uh, the maroon or the red jersey with the pride that um, that possibly was there in the past, and he's uh, and uh, but. Uh, you know, they're, they're professional side and you would, you know, you'd expect the boys to measure up every, every weekend, but it appears that they probably haven't. Uh, whereas New South Wales, they really have. And, uh, and, you know, hats off to New South Wales. They're a, a magnificent team and, you know, let's hope for Australian rugby that they can go on and win the, uh, the Super 15. They've got some sensational rugby, uh, rugby players, of course. And, uh, 
I think it'll be a difficult weekend this weekend for the uh, Queensland Rugby Boys. Um, but they um, they're training tomorrow um, <coughs> afternoon at 3:30. A lot of the old Queensland players will be there and passing on with a bit of um, advice, of course, and and um, and support. And uh, you know, Queensland when they chips it down in every sport, they uh, they come back. So it'll be a tough game for New South Wales and. Um, it'll be a pretty close affair, a pretty close game, I would think. Well, let's hope so. It will be a massive effort from the Reds if they can get up for this one. Um, and, yeah. and what's your what's your interpretation? Well, guys, like uh, let's Will Skelton. Have you get to, got to see much of him play? This is mammoth uh, young player from the from the Waratahs. Obviously, made his Wallaby debut. So. Yeah, look, look, I, I, only for New South Wales. I absolutely I missed the last test right, against okay. France where he played. So I missed all that, but uh, I believe he had a very very good game. You know, got great skills for a wonderful, mm. you know, for a huge man. He's got unbelievable skills, and uh, that came through from his younger years, of course. And and, uh, and that's what I say to all young kids that uh, you know, and, and coaches and parents that um, you know, you do you do your sons a favour by teaching the basic skills at a young age, and they carry it right through their careers. So um, he's got those wonderful skills, and a, and a big man. And I watched him the other day in the uh, Super 15 game, and he played very, very well in the second half. Yeah, he was. Now, what's your know, uh, Rugby World Cup is obviously next year. Let's talk first and foremost uh, about the Wallabies and where you think they stand at the moment. Do you give them a shot for the World Cup next year? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, my word. I mean, the, the, this is a, uh, an outstanding start to the season, isn't it? Um, you know, three from three against uh, France, who are a, a very good team there. Hot and cold, obviously. I was at uh, the Brisbane Test, and we watched uh, watched that one where Australia won by what 50 points or something. So they uh, absolutely flogged them. And uh, then the the top seed team came in, and uh, it was a pretty ordinary game. That uh, the second one, I was I was watching. We we had a reunion of the 1974 New South Wales country team in in, uh, in Newcastle, and we watched that. And that was a pretty ordinary affair. But and as I said, a lot, I missed the third test, and that was I was, we were listening to the scores, but. Um, uh, I was out at Durham Bandy with Andrew Slack and uh, we were watching the local games there and we were updated um, through the media, of course, with uh, with the score, but apparently that was a very, very good game. So it's a great start for the uh, the Wallabies. Um, it's a very big um, ask, uh, obviously, first up the All Blacks in uh, whenever that is. Um, but I, I think I, I think they're absolutely genuine chance. And, um, you know, g- given that uh, <coughs> the, uh, the, the best side... Is available and uh, you know no major injuries of course so no, I think they're a, they're a good team and you know people are a bit concerned or have been a bit concerned prior to the French test that Australia might not be in the quarter you know the semi-finals next year and that's the two of the two that I take away just for the heavies in the finals and I'm uh, pretty confident that they will be there they're a good team they've got an outstanding coach of course and uh, some wonderful rugby players and uh, a couple of fellows that are coming back hopefully into the the, uh, the Wallaby side that. Uh, or one said he'd been overseas for a while, so yep. yeah, we, we need him. Excellent. Well, that's that's exciting. Now, Greg, you're heading over to the World Cup next year. That's right. You're taking a bit of a, a tour group along. Yep, my word. Yeah, Bill, Bill Ross, uh, ex Wallaby yep. uh, hooker, and in fact, Billy's very very much involved. He's on the uh, he's on the the, the, the committee with, with me with his friends called Rugby Foundation. He's also vice uh, president of the uh, Queensland Rugby Union, and. Um, no, so uh, we're we're taking a tour for the uh, for the semis and the uh, and the finals, and uh, it's about having a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to spend uh, obviously the four games are at uh, Twickenham in London, yep. so we'll be there. And for about five days uh, between those uh, weekends, we're in France, 
and um, I, you know, in um, Champagne, the uh, the district, uh, sipping um, beautiful uh, champagne, etc. But what I'm really keen to do is to go to Little Britain, so we've got a uh, uh, an opportunity to do that. And uh, you know, that's uh, one of the um, you know the First World War. You talk about um, unbelievable feats of uh, Australians, and uh, and that was one of them. And and uh, you know we all know and Villers uh, Bretonneuve and and, uh, and what uh, Australians uh, achieved there. But I just always loved to visit it. A very good friend of mine visited there in the late seventies, and not many Australians visited there then. And uh, he was just welcomed with. Uh, un- he just said it was unbelievable. They just loved Australians, and they changed the name of their streets from the uh, the local names to uh, to Sydney and Melbourne and Australian yeah, names. Right. Fantastic. That's something that I really want to do. And uh, so it's, it's all about having fun. And Phil and I, um, you know, uh, we do it a lot with uh, with, with, with rugby as teams. We've managed the Queensland team for many years. And, yep. uh, and uh, it's just about uh, having fun. And um, believe me that uh, this, this trip will be a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Are they, uh, those Rugby World Cup trips are always so memorable, but that sounds like something that's got a little bit of a special extra edge to it. So uh, I'm sure that'll be a, a great time. Look, Greg, we're going to wrap up and I uh, appreciate your time. But one more question for you. You mentioned that John Hipple was the greatest player you ever played with. Who'd be the greatest player you ever played against? Um, uh I so I I look there's some unbelievable footballers I played against um, Gareth Edwards and um, you know Phil Bennett and and others but Ian Kirkpatrick was a breakaway and uh, he was a breakaway for the All Blacks um, in my first test in uh, 1974 and uh, I played against him in uh, the third the second and the third test and I played against him in another uh, couple of uh, more social outings I guess and um, he was probably the best I mean he was just an outstanding rugby player and. Uh, he was huge, he was strong, he was fast, and, uh, yeah, uh, and Kirkpatrick, I'd have to say, Kirky, yeah. Well, he had his own right. I think he scored three tries versus us in a, a 68 Bledisloe test um, down in Sydney. So, uh, like for like there, Greg, and um, uh, a great insight there. Really appreciate your time with us uh, uh, tonight. Thank you. Um, it was uh, uh, good to catch up. We look forward to uh, hearing more about, uh, the, I guess, the World Cup trip next year. I think we're going to hear a bit more about that on the website. Um, and uh, right. we uh, in, wish you best of luck with uh, your future rugby endeavours, the schools and, and the barbarians. Good on you. Thanks very much, Reed. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Thank we'll speak time. to you again soon. Cheerio. Cheers. Well, there he was, the legend Greg Cole Nielsen, one of my favourite players. Uh, Watching all his highlights, that 1978 game was one of the most remarkable games. I've, I can watch the highlights of that game countless times. His four tries, they're just the most hilarious four tries you've ever seen. Matt, did he get to see the highlights of that one? Yeah, he uh, basically, yeah, he looked like my old man playing rugby um, <laughs> back then. Yeah, it's quite legendary. Love those days, though, and uh, it's great when that, those blokes uh, tell a story. Absolutely, and... Uh, and well worth, we'll put some highlights, like I say, in, in the blog post. But uh, there's a great Test 78, but we're moving forward now, and we're looking at the now, and we've got the second last round of Super Rugby. It started off slowly. We're going to talk about the Rebels once again. Uh, they uh, they lost, uh, which is why we don't have Stu with us this week again. Uh, he started <laughs> off this season in the first podcast, full of energy, full of sprite. 
but um, he's MIA since, much like the Rebels, unfortunately. So the Rebels <laughs> went down 34-17 to 17 to the Lions over there in South Africa. It was a tough one. It was actually pretty tight. I think it was only 14-10 to 10 or so at halftime. And, in fact, soon after that, the Rebels were leading. They, I think Colby Fahinga was got across the trial line. So they were up in that second half, but uh, lost their way soon after. Um, and, and the Lions ran out. 34-17, as I say. So it's going to be a tough week for the Rebels. I think they've had some players sent home through injury. Higginbotham got his third, third yellow card for the season and has been suspended for the final game of the season. Not that he was contributing too much uh, during the games at the moment anyway, but um, that was a that was a tough one for the Rebels. And, and guys, just a, a bit more of the same old for the Rebels, don't you think, Steve? I think it's just the consistency that's killing them. Um, the last two games have been pretty poor so you know they, they started off well against the cheetahs and there hasn't been too many highlights since then unfortunately for them no not at all i think they're they're waiting for this season to finish and, and perhaps they're targeting for an nrc trophy rather than anything super rugby related yeah so, i mean i i just had a question about the, the question in my head about the rebels is i wonder if there's a conflict in there with game plan um, I know uh, the, the the guys have mentioned it a few times on on the podcast. Um, for example, is just and when you, you you watch the social feed, especially from the Rebels guys when they when they're playing, and it seems to be first half everyone plays to the game plan, which I think it looks quite like you know a bit more of a sort of Irish game plan. I think maybe uh, totality Tony's brought over with him, um, which is you know to tie things down a bit. But and then I think the Rebels kind of seem to break free and do their own thing in the second half. Um, which kind of, you know, either gives them a great, you know, barnstorming um, way back into the match or things kind of fall apart. I, I just wonder how much, I don't know if that's his kind of, because I remember we had him on the podcast, uh, Tony, and, and his thing was, well, I don't play different speeds, we play a certain way and that's the way it goes. So I, I, you know, I just wonder what's going on there, um, whether it's all totally in control, whether it's a, maybe the team in transition. I mean, there's a lot of people coming in next year. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, look, I, we'll talk preview soon, but it's, this next game won't be pretty for them and, and um, they'll be looking at 2015 already. So as many of the players on have from the Rebels, let's move on to the next game. Um, and it was the Force for the Reds. Force got up here 30 to 20, and despite all my talk last week and hope and, and wishes for this Reds time team that they might get in there and uh, really, you know, pour, prove this spoiler uh, for the competition that they had proclaimed they would and possibly pick up their third win in a row, it was one of the most lackluster performances I've seen from the Reds this year. I think I said it somewhere on the forum that, uh, you know, you can pinpoint many low points for the Reds this year. Perhaps it was that first Waratah thrashing after all the hype of that first round win versus the Brumbies or that back-to-back thrashings by the Blues and the Crusaders or the, the first ever loss to the Rebels back in Brisbane. Um, but for me, this game was pretty dire. I, I It was so frustrating to watch. You know, sure, the Force had more to play for. Uh, final still in contention, and they did start well. They started very strong, very aggressively. Uh, the force I'm talking about, and you know, come and score that early try for a beautiful Wikes pass. But we just did look, did not look interested. And we'll talk about Samu Karebi, he was sensational. But there is a massive gap to anyone else that played, you know, anywhere remotely well in this game. Um, I remember seeing phases where, uh, you know, someone would make half break or just run the ball up and the angle of the camera would change and you'd just see 
Reds walking to get into position or just making no effort whatsoever to, to clear the ruck. And whereas the force were in there, they're playing in there to, to, to clear the ruck or make their presence felt at the ruck and more, the Reds have decided not. And that was their game plan. Sure, they, they'd make the tackle and, and fan out. But, geez, we just lost so much ball there and, and it just made us look pedestrian. How we only lost by 10 points in this game, and in fact, at one stage, you know, we're equal and, and could potentially uh, have won this game is, is probably as much a concern for the, the force as it is a question mark from the Reds. But, uh, oh, this was a frustrating game to watch. So, Matt, you saw the game. What are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I mean, I can see why you got in a bit of a, a rant there, mate. Um, I mean, if you just look at some of the numbers, I mean, the Reds had 34 turnovers um, in the match. Um, I mean, that's like one for every minute of play. You only get about 35 minutes of, of play in a, in a rugby match, and they get 33% of possession. Um, so it's kind of hard to know how they, what they were going to do there. Um, yeah, it really kind of felt like they checked out. I mean, to be fair to them, they still managed to get to within, what, three points? Yeah. Um, I think if you were the force, you'd be pretty a bit nervous um, going into these, these final rounds, hoping that you got a shot. When the Reds, who to be honest, were playing that badly, kind of you know got within Cooley. Oh. Um, anyway, but yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't yeah it wasn't a scintillating match to, to watch. It's got to be said. Can we talk about the one positive though? That's Sammy Karevi. Now, as this podcast, I'm eternally grateful for giving me the uh, the the barrow to jump on because I have been, um, as you may well know, talking up Mr. Karevi for some time now. So it was great to see him get a start, but also play so damn well. He was uh, just what the Reds have been used, looking for in terms of a, a big, strong outside back who can bend, if not break the line. Mm. Well, and, and he did. So, you know, five line breaks um, in the match and uh, 95 metres. So, yeah, which tops from both sides in that match. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, everyone was talking about him and they weren't imagining it. Yeah, that's great. That's good to see. Look, the other quick talking point before we move on is Nick Cummins, obviously, moving on. Uh, great game for him. He was um, yeah, very aggressive early on, scored that first try, but, geez, he did it again with his post-match speech. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just... Oh, I need to go look it up. What was the... There's a, there's a direct quote there. The best, that was... the best is he... The best was he just fell finished up with celebrations.com, which yeah. was, just, was just a great footnote to it all. So he, um, he's a quality man, Nick, so we'll miss him, miss him dearly. I feel um, sorry for the translators in Japan. <laughs> he gets over there. It will be remarkable. It's a reality show in the making, surely, isn't it? Someone's got to jump on that. That could be why he's doing it. That's probably where the money's coming from. It's not coming from a playing contract. It's because if someone's got their act together, they're going to be following him around with the camera and selling it. Absolutely, absolutely, that's sensational. All right, so that's the Force Reds. Force means it's they're still in the game, um, and uh, we'll obviously take on the Brumbies this week in a major, major game that'll have massive bearings on the on the finals. But uh, the next uh, the next game from a uh, Australian perspective is obviously the big one, the Waratahs versus the Highlanders, and this is one you know we were somewhat cautious about last week. I think we all tipped the Waratahs. We're all confident the uh, the, the form would continue, but I don't think any of us saw the extent of the uh, the victory, the final score, uh, 44 to 16. Uh, it was a, an astronomical performance by the Waratahs, and, and what a statement to be making this close to the finals, Matt. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, six tries. And here's the thing, it was 11-9 at half time. Yes, exactly. Um, 
the checker so, special at half time must have run, done this thing again. Yep. He does. He needs to patent that, that rocket. Um, whatever it is, is he does uh, works uh, really well. I mean, uh, it, Bob Dwyer in his article this week said he thought that was the best performance he'd seen from the Waratahs since Super Rugby began. Um, so, yeah, the hyperbole is at its peak. Um, it was great, though. It was a fantastic thing. I was there. Um, great afternoon into an evening um, at the SFS. Uh, anyone who listened to a couple of podcasts will, would have heard me waxing lyrical about that. Uh, so that was really, really good. But I think we had a, you know, attendances are creeping up. Yep. Uh, I think it was uh, 24,500, um, which is quite, you know, which is you know, a good 7,000 7, on from what we've been seeing only a few weeks back. So, yeah, we're starting to get uh, moving in the right direction. Although, geez, don't quite know what more you need, apart from obviously, hopefully, us winning a, a final or maybe a grand final to get the people back because they're just playing so well. Um, they, again, they have, you know, 60% of possession. Um, it's just it's just the power that they put into people. Uh, and on attack, just the big those big runners just smashing into the defence time after time. And you can just see the Highlanders just slowly wilting underneath it. Um, and then just, you know, busting out in the, in the second half. Um, and the, the other bit was, it was just, it, it wasn't just the broken play, which was fantastic, and they were running it from their own line and that sort of stuff. You know, then there was the set piece, and, you know, there was this uh, little play that Beal um, took it to the line and then just did, like, an inside run to Falau. Um, I think it was in the Highlanders 22, and he, he took three or four guys over. They're just very hard to stop from all parts of the field at the moment. But also, likewise, those, yeah, Paddy Ryan comes on and the scrum just goes up an extra level. Not saying it wasn't working, but when Paddy came on, it took it up an extra level. And I think it was when Paddy was on that the, you know, that Phipps went over for his nice little, you know, very basic back row move with uh, Cliffy Parlow there. So um, you're right, set pieces clicking along and the aggressiveness, yeah, let alone defence in attack was something to behold. And they're kind of changing, I think, the way people are, well, they're changing the way they've played the game anyway, which is, uh, and again, this was, a, a, I think, a piece uh, or a, a thing that Bob noted was that uh, Nick Phipps literally made zero kicks mm. um, at, at halfback, so no box kicks and no other kicks, um, and that's quite a departure from the modern game. Uh, so, yeah, they, they were running it from all over the place. I mean, I've got to say, though, I mean, at the beginning of the season, it was a bit harem scarum, you know. It was a bit. I wasn't quite sure if this was right. I think they've slowly been working on that, where they're just making the right decisions. Even Izzy puts, you know, boot the ball every now and again. Um, so they get the exits, but then they, when they spot spot an opportunity, they really know how to take it, um, and they really manage to bottle up the Highlanders as well, which isn't easy because, geez, they've got some cracking players. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Tars. I mean, they they only missed ten tackles. Um, you know, in, in a, against that Highlander side, that's that's quite remarkable. I've got to say, though, Ben Smith live, geez, he's a good player. Yeah, yeah, you could see he was the one that was going to break it open, and he did a couple of times. And mm. on one occasion, I, I thought he should have backed himself to go the whole way. But um, look, a couple of names in this tar team, and what I mentioned was Bernard Foley. I thought he had his best game um, that I've seen him play, at least at 10. I thought mm. he was fantastic. And, and combined so well with Phipps, and really did control the game so well and, and mixed it up. Uh, beautifully, um, and um, Stephen Hoyles, you know, mm. this is a remarkable story. It's almost like Bo's story back in 2011, sort of come from nowhere um, and, and claim that spot and win a championship, which for all intents and purposes, this Waratah team will do, but Steve's got a chance to start for the rest of the season, and I thought he was a, a, a fantastic 
uh, player on the weekend and, and really contributed big time. So uh, all looking very rosy for the Waratahs. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that, yeah, I've, I've just got... There's one team that I worry about, to be honest. I think the way they're playing, they can take just about anyone else on. The one team I worry about at the moment is the Crusaders. Yeah, and um, we haven't played them this, this season. Yeah. So I've talked, to, I've talked to a few people about this and sort of said, oh, I don't think we've played them. And they yeah. said, no, no, you play everyone, don't you? And um, yeah. I've looked back and we haven't. So clearly you, don't, you clearly don't play everybody every season because um, it, it's changing so often. I think everyone just, yep. uh, no one can remember how it all works. But yeah, no, we haven't played them. And yeah, that's, that's my concern. Um, I think the Crusaders, you know, they're so bloody clever um, as well as being largely offside. Um, that, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think I, I worry about that. I worry about that set piece um, at scrum time. I think they could they could get in there, um, and I, I worry, um, you know, at breakdown because they, you know, they really know how to um, flood and then and then spread out. And then I think they'll really test us with some positional play because I, I, I think they'll just try and play without the ball and just put us under pressure. Now so Dan Carter coming back into the team too. It's a, mm. it's a fair call, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that, that, that's my one yep. watch out. And if we can put them away, it, although it's looking like I think they're number two on the table at the moment. So, at the moment, yeah. Yeah, so probably we'll, if, you know, if all things go well, we probably won't see them to the final um, at ANZ, hopefully. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Steve, any observations on the, this TAR team at the moment? Uh, just the ball running of the forwards, um, like Skopi Kepu, yeah. some, some outrageous offloads. And... Not just, it's not just uh, like how it has been some of the season with uh, Jack Potkita just going in, smashing them with his kamikaze style running and likely for Palu. They're starting to share it around a bit with the aggression, hit, uh, taking the ball and uh, I guess freeing up some of those other players to then hit the next phase and then um, go on. Like he's like Matt saying, Falau, he just, um, you know, they have four on him, but it makes no difference. He can just take them all over the line. And it's not the first time, obviously, with last week's game against the Brumbies where they needed, I think, five, and they just managed to hold him up after he started his run about 10 metres out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. But as I, I was talking about, you were talking about offloads there. I mean, the Tars did, you know, 23 offloads um, in, in that match um, for the 11 line breaks they had. So, I don't know. It's just uh, it's a uh, well, it's quite impressive at the moment. Let's hope it let's hope it can keep going. Us Waratahs fans are used to things falling apart at some stage, though. So um, try not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, is, is there room left on that bandwagon? I was going to say, just like the come aboard, fellas, come aboard. There's plenty of room up top. <laughs> to paraphrase paraphrase Chief Brody, I think we're going to need a bigger bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, just wrapping up the rest of the results that weekend, or this weekend past, obviously that's all the Australian teams, but there, there were some other significant games with the Chiefs uh, down in the Hurricanes there, 24-16. to 16. Uh, The Crusaders, who have just mentioned, uh, got up over the Blues, 21-13. to 13. Um, uh, Stormers uh, over the Bulls, 16-0. But the big one, the big surprise, which has had that impact on the top of the ladder there, is the Cheetahs. Down in the Sharks, 27 to 20. Now, I, I called last week the Sharks would roll over. Sorry, the, the Cheetahs would roll over like any good South African team uh, would for their uh, their colleagues um, in the Republic there. But it didn't happen, and uh, that's had a big impact on uh, on the on the table and how it stands. And you know, they'll make a case that you got to win win one at once, lose one at one stage. But ooh, I reckon Jake White will be pretty worried about that one. 
Mm, no, for sure. It's, 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 it's coming unstuck at the wrong end of the season for him, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, having seen him in action, he'd be fuming. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. So that leads to the latter. So the Warriors are there. They are confirmed minor premiers. I think we still use that terminology these days. Um, with a, with a what seven-point gap over the Crusaders. So the Crusaders and the Sharks are equal at the moment, with the Crusaders just edging in front with a better points differential. The next three, who are our wild cards, uh, are the Highlanders and the Hurricanes and the Brumbies, and they're on 42, 41, and 40 points, respectively. The Force and the Chiefs are both on 40 points as well. Um, so, uh, you know, there's still a lot, of, a lot of play to happen this last round there. So... Let's look ahead at this week's games. And the first game of the round, uh, what are we, round 19, last game. So we've got the Blues versus the Chiefs. So just quickly, machinations there. It's the Chiefs, obviously, still very much a factor. And the Brumbies uh, will be looking for the, and the Force, indeed, will be looking for the Blues to take that one uh, from the Chiefs. Uh, with the Blues on 36, they shouldn't have any real impact on the, on the finals. Uh, other than the result of that game, uh, where, where they can get over the Chiefs. Yeah, can I just jump in there? Yes. Just, just talking about the ladder. I mean, you've got the Sharks wobbling, you know, at third there. Um, the next South African team is the Bulls at 10th. That is exactly right. And, and then you've got the Stormers at 11th, the Lions at 13, and then the Cheaters at 14. So, um, anyway, I, my mind stretches back not too far to remember the South Africans saying, how dare we have the fifth franchise. Yeah. Uh, but, geez, that, as a collective, they're having a shocking, oh, shocking superstar. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, moving on, the next game we have is the Bulls versus the Rebels. No, nothing. Nothing to worry about there. Nothing to concern us there. Crusaders mm-hmm. versus the Highlanders. So, again, you've got... Number two uh, versus number four, but indeed uh, the first-ranked New Zealand team versus the second-ranked New Zealand team. So there's still a bit of play there, and there's only four points differential there. So the Highlanders can snag a win, uh, and better yet, a bonus point win. They'll surpass the Crusaders on the ladder there. Well, I'm guessing, we, you know, as Aussie teams, we're probably hoping for the Highlanders to lose that one, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I think you want, you know... One of the clarity up the top of the ladder there. Lions versus Cheetahs, two South African teams, who cares? And likewise, Stormers versus Sharks. You know, the Sharks are obviously up there. If the Stormers can pull off another upset, just to keep the keep the rocking chair rocking, I guess. Mm. But let's look at these Australian games. Steve, the first one is on Friday night. It's in Canberra. It's the Brumbies versus the Force. This is... Brilliant. This is exactly what the the, um, the planners would have wanted. It comes down to this game for you guys to work out who makes that that final six. Yeah, well, winner takes all, pretty much. Um, if you win, you're in the finals. Um, you know, obviously, there are some chances of the force still making it in if they lose with a small margin, but I don't think they'll be worried about that. Uh, it's interesting. These two teams played the last regular season game last year, and the Force getting up and derailing the Brumbies' chances of a home final last year. Uh, remind us where that game was. Was that over Perth? Or was that, that was in Perth? Perth yeah. yeah, that was right. after that uh, Test window break yeah. with the Lions series, yep. um, and the, I think the Force got up by six there. And interestingly, I might just chuck this in there: the Brumbies haven't won a last round um, game since two thousand and seven. Wow. So they'll be looking to, to fix that, obviously, this week with so much on the line. Now, you do have some returning players. I mean, the team hasn't been announced yet, I don't think, unless it's happened in the last half hour. You no, ex- no. expect some players back? 
Yeah, the, some of the bigger names are back. Uh, I think Matt Tamua, uh, Josh Man Ray will come in as hooker after um, we had to revert to Rory Murphy in the Waratahs game. Um, Pat McCabe should be back, and Sam Carter is touch and go. Still um, sure, yep. Yep, and today was confirmed that Joe Tamani is cleared to play after his uh, fractured cheekbone. Wow, okay. Well, good luck <laughs> fitting all those guys in. Yeah, it'll be a good selection headache to have for once. Mm. And the force we don't know about just yet. The one confirmation is that cubic minimum's obviously been suspended for this week uh, due to the, I think they called it a striking charge, but it was just the, the blatant knee, knee yeah. drop knee. to Benny Lucas's ribs. Um, I think he's lucky just to get the week. I think he was lucky to get yellow card. But um, So that's their one change. I think uh, they may have some returning players. I'm not sure the status of Albie Matthewson, um, who could be very important for them, because quite frankly, I thought Ian Pryor was very poor last week as well. So, oh, Gags, what has, what's your reading of this one? This is a, a great match. Oh, yeah, Brumby's force. It's a tough one. It, it, it could turn out to be a little bit dire. Um if both teams are trying to play not to lose, uh, sort yeah. of thing. It does have that written on it a little bit. Um, so we'll see. Maybe it'll prove me wrong. <sighs> Jeez, hard to know. I just, I think if the Force had played a bit better last weekend, I'd probably feel a little bit more confident. Um, with the Brumbies, they're still a team who should know how to win, and they've had a bit of a scare. This is their chance to kind of get the season back on track. So I don't know. I'm probably going to just tip the Brumbies there. Um, you know, they've had more kind of sort of finals-type footy in the last couple of seasons that, you know, with some old heads should hopefully get them through there, I guess. But uh, it's not an easy one to call this one. Yeah, I'm with you. It is tough, but I, I will base my selection, and I'll, I'll, I'll select the Brumbies to win purely on the basis, as you're saying, that last week performance by the Force um, was really quite substandard. The the Reds were were bloody poor, and for the, Reds to, for the Force to only win that the way they did, um, is not a great lead-in for this one. So they are a gutsy team, and they'll, no doubt they'll be doing this one for uh, the Badger again. So uh, anything could happen. Uh, the Brumbies, I expect to win. Gosh, I wouldn't mind. Uh, what is it? A four-try uh, bonus point draw. Um, <laughs> what we're all after. Yeah. Because I'm just looking at this, and I, I, like I saw a tweet from Stephen Moore, I think, after last weekend, saying... Right, whoever wins is it. Um, is that for sure? Because so the Hurricanes have played sixteen, so they've got yeah, like a bye. Hurricanes are done, so yes. they're forty-one. So they're, but then you got the Highlanders, right? They're at forty-two. They could win. Yep. Um, they could beat the Crusaders. Yep. Uh, the Sharks are playing as well, so they could win, right? Yep. So what does that give it? How many, how many does that give us? And then you've got the Chiefs and forty. And they've got a, and they've got a game, so they could win, so they could get them up to like forty four or forty five. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that what well, that would give you six, wouldn't it? Yeah, the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs playing the Blues, so there's uh, you know there's still unknowns there, absolutely. So it's the Chiefs or the Canes we, we want to see lose, basically. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Good one. No, who cheers? All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's it from the Brumbies. We do have the Rebels taking on the Bulls over there in Loftus. Uh, as we say, uh, we can't expect too much from this game, and nor does it have any impact on the finals. The next game doesn't have any impact on the finals either, but it's worth a little bit of a chat about, shall we? Uh, the Reds versus the Waratahs up here in Brisbane last game of the season, and 
gosh, you think 12 months ago or whenever the, the draw, or probably eight months ago when the draw came out, that this one would have been circled in red ink from the, the QRU saying, what a great game this will be, a last game of the season, what's it going to decide, uh, massive crowd. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it'll be that way. It's not deciding anything. Um, possibly the Bob Temple Cup uh, might be up for grabs. I think that's uh, on a case-by-case scenario, a game-by-game scenario. So it's it's a, the Bob Temple Cup will definitely be on the cards. But they're pumping this. This has got to be Heritage Round. The Reds will be wearing Heritage jerseys. They've got members' names across their jerseys. Um, they're really keen. So I get the one thing Greg Cornelison mentioned in his chat is that they're getting a whole bunch of ex-Reds players down to training tomorrow afternoon uh, to try and spur on a bit of that old-school rivalry. So uh, I think that's about our only chance is is to is to really embrace some of the old-school stuff and, and and see how the uh, see how the Raw Terrors love it up because if it's down to pure rugby, given recent form, we're not a chance, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is the way for the Reds to, uh, you know, kind of turn around their season in one game, isn't it? Um, yeah, as long as you beat the Tars in the final match, then who cares, uh, is the logic, I think. Um, I don't know. This is going to be an interesting one. I mean, there's nothing in it in the, for the Waratahs apart from, you know, I guess a little bit of spite. But, you know, when you've sat there and you've basically, you know, booked yourself a home semi in a potential home final, I'm not sure how, how, how bothered you really are. Um I don't, you know, if, if maybe there was something like if the Reds were snapping around finals, yeah. I think that would have a bit more heat in it. Yeah. And then maybe the Tars would be like, oh, yeah, we could really stick one on them. I'm not sure. It kind of it doesn't feel like that from the supporters' point of view. I, I'm sure it feels different from a player's point of view. But, I mean, I've I got to say, whew, if I was Czech, I mean, I'd be really thinking about how many of these players I'd really want to put out there for the full game. Um, anyway, um, I, think he said, I think he said he's not going to rest, yeah. but... It's, it's really interesting because you, you do have that first week of the buy-off, correct? So That's right. You can't out-and-out. Out, you'd be reluctant to out-and-out out rest because two weeks off at this stage is probably not the best scenario um, for a lot of your players. They are they have this momentum at the moment. Um, mm. you know, we've just been on the back of, obviously, the Test Series and some of those players have not played a lot of rugby prior to that or during that window. So it's a, I'll be fascinated to see what team the Waratahs pick. I, I expect not many changes, but you're right mm. how long they play for. Um, I guess might even just be judged by the, the nature of the match itself. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, like Jeremy Tills hasn't played a lot of minutes and um, there's a few little, there's a niggle floating around with uh, Paddy Ryan. So, you know, there might be a few things there. You, I think um, I wouldn't, I'd be... If there's one player I'd be wrapping in cotton wool, it'd be Cliffy Parlett. Yep. Um, you know, he's always got some sort of nickel going on, yep. so I'd probably be just thinking about even giving giving him 40 minutes or something. But, um, you know, that gives what makes way for a Will Skelton or someone like that to have a run, which is no bad thing. Yeah. Uh, and then there's plenty of back rowers, so, yeah, probably shake that up a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm just looking at the table, and, like, uh, the Reds are only second to the Cheetahs in number of points given away this season. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they've given away 459 points. Uh, the Cheetahs are giving away 467. The Tars are giving away 269. Um, so, uh, I mean, if that is any read of what we should be seeing happening in this match, um, then, yeah, it should be. I mean, that's quite amazing. Actually, I'm just looking at the points differences. The Tars are 100, 178 points ahead in points. Yeah, overall, absolutely, yeah. It's quite amazing the difference there. Um, anyway, so how do I read this? Oh well, if, if the Tars, unless which I don't think they're going to, unless they pulled the team, 
yeah, I mean, it should be a bit of a bloodbath. Bloodbath, yeah. I've got that feeling too. Steve, do you see it any differently? Uh, no. I, th- I think after Nick Frisbee's out now for the, the Reds, that's going to make a bit of a, oh, is he? Dif- a big yeah. difference. Yeah, he's got a uh, broken jaw. Yeah. Oh, so that I think I'm the only person we need to see in there is um, one uh, Reg, is it, are you getting a call this week? Or are you, are you um, doing some promotional work in your onesie? I will be there. I will be wearing my onesie, mate. It's a cold snap up here in Brisbane at the moment. So the cold. Best, best way to keep warm. Hey, it was, was it, was it under 24 or something? <laughs> I think it's, it's, well, it was four or five this morning, I think, when I woke up. Um, but the only way to keep warm uh, if you're at Suncorp uh, will be these new Reds onesies, and I'll be wearing mine. But um, look, so you can say anyway to keep warm is running coat. <laughs> well, that's, that's the other way. Um, look, it's yeah, it's got to be pretty scary stuff on the basis of last performances. It could be very, very ugly. But just uh, on that, Reg. So yeah. if if would you expect that Ben Lucas would move to nine? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Look, my picking would be Lucas would move to nine because the next option is this young Scotty Gale who made his debut from the bench and is a very exciting young player. Um, I think he's just really broken into premier grade this year for Queensland University. Um, uh, has come through the system. Good young player. Uh, his passing looked fairly consistent on the weekend. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of him play, but I've heard some good reports from him. I think that's a big ask cause, uh, to bring him into this sort of environment. So I'd expect Benny to come to nine, probably Mikey Harris move up to 10. Um, Lockie Turner to fullback, or maybe they'll put JJ to a largely fullback. But either Lockie to fullback, JJ on the wing, I wouldn't mind seeing big Chris Kurandrani um, from the Jeeps club come onto the wing. He's uh, another big, strong Fijian, a la his club teammate, Samu Karevi. And I reckon it's, worth, it's time that we see him in the Reds jersey as well. So we'll see what happens. I'll name the team next 24 hours or so, I'd say. So scary, potentially very scary this weekend. But... Good news for Australian rugby is that the Waratahs are currently on top of the ladder and you can't change that regardless of what happens this weekend. And it's all finals and they start next week, so we'll chat about that when we get the time. A um, mm. couple of things we just want to touch on. Uh, on the back of our podcast last week with Garant Jones, and the, Garant John, sorry, the Aussie Sevens seven team has been named for the Glasgow Commonwealth Games does have a couple of uh, Super Rugby reps in Lee McGill and Sean McMahon. But it's a pretty strong squad. James Stannard, your mate, Gags. Yeah, Chucky. fan of Stannard, yep. Mm. Oh, yeah, love him. Great guy. Yep. Um, and the likes of Con Foley, Tom Lucas, Palmer Fowle. Uh, guys that have been there over the last couple of years. Cameron Clark, who's probably been one of the finals of the year and in, indeed one of the international players of the year from a sevens perspective. So uh, they've got a, a, a pretty cruisy pool, as we said last week, but the challenge will be in the finals time. So, um, Any thought on that, Steve? You've been across the squad? Yes, yeah, squad looks pretty good. Uh, the pool just got the arch enemy, enemy sorry, England yep. and uh, Sri Lanka and the might of Uganda. So we'll wait and see how that goes. Oh. Yep. Uh, well, I'll tell you, with, with Chucky Sanard with in there, I think you know, you've got a good chance of taking on anyone because I just think you know, he's such a good little thinker. Um, and tactical player um, to go with some of the raw younger talent there. Um, yeah, good feelings. It's interesting. New Zealand named their team. It's always a, a good team, but it's they haven't brought in any you know particular talent at all. So it'll be a, it should be a cracking tournament over there in Glasgow. So what, uh, let's see how it pans out. Mm. The only other news from my perspective, I guess I think this happened the day after our podcast. Is Nick Cummins? We alluded to it when we talked about the 
the uh, the game. He's off to Japan. Um, for those who haven't seen it, Matt wrote a great article on the blog about the reasons why, and that more detail along those lines have come out. But there was a lot of, I guess, ranting and, and questions asked when the news came out. But, Matt, th there's a bit more to this than just a simple uh, uh, money chase, isn't there? Yeah, I'd say, yeah. So, yeah, Nick's... Um got eight siblings, uh, and two of his younger siblings have got cystic fibrosis, and they're looked after by their uh, father, uh, who's a single parent, and um, their father, he's, uh, Nick's father, um, has got uh, prostate cancer, and I think they're in rural Queensland, so yeah, they've certainly got their hands full, so uh, I think when an offer popped up for Nick to make some cash, uh, you know, and probably at a low tax, um, I would have thought, well, I don't think, I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision, but it was one that he couldn't really argue with. Um, the one thing about the story, though, uh, is, and not, you know, people talking about, does it necessarily rule him, rule him out? Um, if he can play the Japanese season, get back and still get into the force, um, you know, surely he can find his way back into maybe the World Cup. So uh, there's a, I, it's just a bit hazy about that, isn't it? That's, yeah. the, that's, the, only, that's the only question. Because when's that Japanese season finished? Because we've had a few players come from there, play the the last. No, it's like February or yeah, March so thereabouts. It's, it's still a decent part of the season. Um, you know, uh, Nick, it'd be great to see him back. He really should be back in Queensland to be close to his family. So let's see if the Reds can do the right thing and find a spot for him as well, hey? Yeah, <laughs> you're making a making a player grab there, mate. Oh, mate, for, for his own good. For his own good. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's just down to somebody, you know, it would mean the, whatever squad he'd be playing for, having to keep a, a spot open for him. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, theoretically, they don't wouldn't need to, and um, it would be a pain for them to do it. But So I guess maybe, yeah, if, if the love goes, and he's, he's certainly playing well, so maybe they will. Yeah, indeed. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up, guys. Massive weekend, as we say. Steve, you've got a, a huge weekend with the Brumbies versus the Force. Um, so best of luck to your boys down there in Canberra, hey? Yep. Bring it home, boys. And Gags, you and I up here in Brisbane, uh, Reds versus Waratahs, uh, means nothing for the latter, but it means everything for the next week's podcast. It certainly does, mate. Breaking rats. <laughs> well, guys, thanks a lot for your time tonight. That's episode 140, and next week is episode 150. Gags, we might have a special guest on next week, we hope. We might. Okay, I'm not even going to... Yeah, I'm not going to tempt fate on that one. All right, excellent. Thanks for your time tonight, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we shall see you next week. Bye now. See ya. Let's go, let's go. We're in the